Bismillah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Sallallahu wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Salatun tunjina biha min jami'al ahwali wal afat. Taqdilana biha jami'al hajat. وتطهرنا بها من جميع السيئات وترفعنا بها عندك على الدرجات وتبلغنا بها أقصى غايات من جميع الخيرات في الحياة وبعد الممات صلاة والسلام الدائمين بالدمام ملك الله يا أرحم الراحمين بسم الله left off on number one sixty one one sixty one of the of Sayyidina Shaykh Ibn Atta'ala as secondary Rahimahullah Ta'ala Ibn Atta'ala of the great city of Alexandria from which hail so many great people historically and up to today and 161 <laughs> دَلِيلٌ عَلَىٰ عَدَمِ صِدْقِكَ فِي عُبُودِيَتِكَ You are wanting people to know your specialness is a proof for your lack of truthfulness in your slavehood. So, again here we have uh, a term that has come many times before and uh, but just by way of review in case, you know, sometimes people catch Sometimes good review In repetition there is benefit So we have this idea again of khususiyah and bashariyah We talked about it even I think last class Khususiyah and bashariyah The idea of the thing that makes human beings really special And the thing that makes human beings just human That's their bashariyah, their humanness And their khususiyah is their specialness That's translated as specialness here you want to know that that's khususiyya. This relates to the capacity that Allah has put in human beings to be the greatest of the great. And akram al-khalq, to be the most honorable of creation. Uh, and their humanness, in combination to the lack of attention to their specialness, is what can give them the capacity to become the worst of the worst. May Allah protect us. So, istashrafuka an ya'lam an khanqu bi khususiyatik dalilun ala adami sidqika fi ubudiyatik. I think one of the challenges is that we live in a time when the common thing to do is to make everything known. You know, like whatever you do, you make it known and you build your brand, quote unquote. In the words of Brother Ali, I'm a man, not a brand. <laughs> I'm a man, not a brand. Like, I'm a human being. I'm not something to be bought and sold and marketed and, and developed in that way, right? So, um, uh, but everything is out there. But part of a really profound thing about the relationship of the person with their Lord is that it is meant to be private. And I, I should be the reality of it is meant to be private. We have to be careful because secularism teaches us that everything about our religion should be private, right? But there's clearly parts of our religion that are public. The way we dress, congregational prayer, rules that govern daily life, et- etiquettes and manners that we have, and so on and so forth. All of these things are happening in front of people. But the sincere the sincerity of our relationship with God is something that's in our hearts and things that we can legitimately keep between us and our Lord it's generally better for us to do that right like there are things that have to happen in public for the greater public benefit for the public order so on and so forth but there's a lot of things that don't have to happen in public and don't really have to be said you know and sometimes they're big things, sometimes they're small things. So this is now a little bit of a tangent. Sometimes they're small things, like maybe you're talking to your friend and your friend starts to tell you something that they told you yesterday. And you just pretend like they didn't tell you before. So now you're hiding something, right? But you're hiding something in a good way. You're hiding that they already told you that and that you don't need to hear it again. But 
you don't want to make them feel bad and you want them to feel loved and cared for and everything else so you just listen to them again so there's, there's an element of concealment in that and this idea of concealment is a very central concept in our religion the idea of concealment we conceal others faults we conceal our own faults we conceal our, our, our good deeds even when we can and especially especially if someone has some sort of special relationship with Allah where you know they really get um, ledha and pleasure out of worship and different things and they've had experiences with Allah that are just amazing and so on and so forth that's between them and their Lord that's between them and their Lord and if if the individual is really wanting people to realize how special they are quote unquote then that's like that's an evidence that they're actually not so truthful in their slavehood in their obedience because in their obedience and their slavehood to God they shouldn't want to be known right like I, I Allah it's enough that you know me and everything else doesn't matter and uh, this is you know this is the sunnah of the salaf it's the sunnah of the early generations um, they didn't care for these things they didn't care to be known they didn't care to be praised they didn't care to be recognized for the things that they do and stuff like that um, it's a very important concept so if you flip it a little bit what is the what is one of the evidences that a person is being sincere in their servanthood to God is that they don't care for people to uh, recognize anything special in them you know it's not like I'm so special see me or whatever it is It's a nice expression in the commentary. He says, لِأَنَّ صِدْقِ الْعُبُودِيَةِ تَرْحُ الْأَغْيَارِ اكْتِفَاءٍ بِعِلْمٍ عَزِيزٍ غَفَّارٍ That the evidence, uh, the truthfulness of one's servanthood is to leave everything else other than God sufficing themselves with the one, uh, with the knowledge of the one who is mighty and forgiving. You know, that's sufficient for them. The knowledge of God is sufficient for them. And, you know, everything else is whatever. قال بعض العارفين من أحب أن يطلع الناس على عمله فهو مرائن ومن أحب أن يطلع الناس على حاله فهو كذاب that the um, some of the knowers of God they said whoever wants the people to find out about the deeds that they do then they're showing off right so مرائن مرائن is someone who's showing off they're doing their deeds in order for people to recognize them which is a major disease of the heart it's a shirk and khafi a shirk and khafi it's the minor shirk actually the Prophet ﷺ talked about it as such that to show off is a minor shirk and um, because again I'm not doing it for people to see it I'm doing it for for Allah so I want to be particular about that um and the one who wants people to know about their hal, their hal, their internal state, then they're a kathab, they're a liar. They're a liar with Allah. Because why would they want people to know about their state with Allah? And this is why one of the things that we've said over and over again in this text is that with the exception of maybe like certain circumstances where people in some ways kind of lose control of themselves there are times when someone could have such a hal that they're just overcome by the situation and they're not really controlling themselves anymore they're, they're just they're just in the moment you know um, that can happen but generally speaking like generally speaking true Islamic spirituality is rather sober because even if a person is experiencing something that would completely blow our minds they're not going to show it <laughs> you know that's going to be inside and that's between them and Allah they're not they're not going to show it to everyone else because it's between them and Allah so it's very personal in that way you know I hope this is making sense and being understood inshallah uh, so this one is the thing that shows the um the evidence of not being sincere this one that we just covered is the one that shows the evidence of not being sincere and the one that we're going to cover this one 162 is the evidence of being sincere and truthful 
غيب نظر خنقي إليك بنظر حقي إليك وغيب عن إقبالهم عليك بشهور إقباله عليك So beautiful, his words are so beautiful This is vanished from this from Vanish from the let's go with vanish from the sight of the eyes of the people uh, with the eye of God on you and be absent from their coming towards you by seeing God approaching you. So basically, know that God is looking at you, and because you're so uh, consumed with the reality of God looking at you, the people looking at you disappears. And same thing, knowing that Allah is approaching you. Baluhu is approaching you, uh, then know that, you know, uh, don't worry about the people approaching you. So now you have the opposite. One of them is the sincere, the lack of truthfulness. Here's the truthfulness. The truthfulness is you are worried about Allah looking at you or me, us. We're worried about Allah looking at us rather than the people looking at us. And we're... Um, Worried about approaching Allah rather than the people approaching us. There is something to be said here, though, around like I've seen this sometimes go into weird places um, that are not really correct. So people be like, Oh, I'm only doing this for Allah, I don't care what people think. And it's like, yeah, but those people that you don't care what they think are like good, righteous, knowledgeable people and they think that the thing that you're doing is not really right. They're like, no, I'm just doing it for the for Allah. Okay, well, maybe, um, but even if you are, like, let's... There's a point, there, there, like, we shouldn't ignore completely what people think, as strange as that sounds. We shouldn't ignore completely what people think because again sometimes we're not processing things correctly and so what we end up doing are things that are really kind of off um, so there is a certain there is a push and pull there but it's not everyone like I'm not gonna have concern about the random person and whether or not they think that me Making wudu in the sink is weird because I need to make wudu or I need to pray on time. So I'm going to go over here and I'm going to pray. And yeah, I feel awkward too, but like I'm not going to let that stop me praying. Um, so that I wouldn't worry about. But like if I, for example, knew someone that I hold in a position of being a teacher or something like that, and I felt like what I'm doing. They might not really approve of Then that's That's another from the khalq That I would actually be concerned about That's a That's a That's vision That's being seen by the creation In a way that I wouldn't want But anyways you get the idea وَأَمَّا إِذَا اغْتَرَرْتَ بِإِقْبَالِهِمْ عَلَيْكَ قَبْلَ كَمَالِكَ فَإِنَّهُ يُوجِبُ لَكَ التَّصَنُّعَ لهم ومداهنتهم ومعاشرتهم بالنفاق ونحو ذلك. so if you become concerned about the people, and this is true even for good people, right? because sometimes we can start putting on a show for good people when in reality uh, maybe that's just being hypocritical. so all of it. You know, everything has its own, I guess, detail to it to worry about. But in any case, we'll run with the general point. Uh, he says, if you're not, if if you get too concerned and heedless as a result of the people coming towards you before you've attained some sort of level of completion, then what will happen as a result of that is a tasannu'. A tasannu' is a really important word. A tasannu' is like. Like fabricating for others, basically. Fabricating who you are for others. Uh, this is different, by the way. We're going to cover it.
probably in the next section on the Shema'in. I think it's in it's coming soon in the Shema'in. But there's a difference between like there's incidences where the Prophet them was was good to people who were bad, even though he didn't really like them, وسلم, in order to prevent their harm and in order to possibly change their hearts, you know? That's not being fake. You know. Being fake is like and even the person who has mistakes and they have shortcomings, but when they're around good people, like really a lot of good comes out in them, that's not really being fake either. Being fake is more like the person who really doesn't care to fix a lot of their issues, and then they're using their religiosity as a means, their so-called religiosity as a means to like gather people and do all kinds of other things. May Allah protect us from having to sundar, but it's a type of fabrication. Similar word that's used in modern language for manufacturing. The sana'a is manufacturing. So usually when you buy like a shirt, if you see the Arabic writing on the tag, it'll say sunni'afi such and such. It was made, it was manufactured or made in such and such place. So tasanna' is to like, it's excessive. That, that verbal form it has an excessiveness to it. Tafa'ul has a, ver- has a, you can even feel it, right? Tafa'ul has like an, an extra push in it. So we're really manufacturing ourselves then for the sight of the people. And that's a problem. And that's also where when some of these issues around adab come up, you know. So oftentimes in our quest to be well-mannered people, sometimes we go overboard. And uh, that's not good manners, you know. Um... Even like to the extent sometimes we don't give nasiha to each other, right? Like we won't give good, sincere advice to one another when someone needs it. And, you know, they might fall in the end because nobody gave them advice when they should have given them advice. Should no one spoke to them about something that they saw in them that they should have spoke to them about. And that grew over time. That's a problem, you know. Uh, so we want to like, we want to have good manners. But we don't want excessive formality. Excessive formality is not really, you know, healthy in most ways. It will um, oftentimes become the breeding ground of hypocrisy. 163. Whoever knows the truth witnesses him in everything. Whoever annihilate whoever is annihilated in him is absent from everything. And whoever loves him does not prefer anything over him. So these are different types of relationships with Allah, right? Like one of them is the person who Araf al Haq. They know the truth. Capital T truth. They know the true. The other one is the person who Fania bihi, who is completely absolved or annihilated. In Allah They're so lost in Allah That they lose Sight of everything Basically And um, So they're absent from everything And whoever loves Allah لم يؤثر عليه شيء So there's different maqamat So to speak And the sign of each one What's the, what's the maqam The station of the one who, who knows God Is the one who sees God in everything And what's the station of the one Who's annihilated And God is the one who's Absent from everything uh, and not necessarily in a bad way, but just everything's gone. It's not usually a state that, as far as I understand, which is not very much. Actually, I should just not speak on that. Uh, and whoever loves him does not prefer anything over him. Whoever loves him does not prefer anything over him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, about this in the commentary says women uh, so he says whoever loves Allah doesn't prefer anything over him and doesn't put anything in front of their love for Allah meaning 
Nothing takes precedence over their love for Allah. Um, from their desires, from their personal desires, from their um, base desires, whatever it might be, they, they don't put those in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and of course, on top of that, they don't put anything else from creation in front of Allah. Because the reality of love is to take the beauty of the beloved into the heart. To the extent that, no, that there's no more space for anything else. So, they take the love, that, you know, it's, that's the sign of the love. Is that, uh, is that the heart becomes so filled with the beloved that there's not any space for anything else. One thing that's good about these, just as a side point in, in this context, because these are alamat, again, these are signs of those stations. Is that one of the, I think, challenges we often have is to put things in their proper place. And um, one of the great gifts of learning the great gifts of knowledge is that knowledge becomes the criterion over other things. Um, knowledge becomes the criterion over other things. Did I just mess up that live stream? Let me see. Uh, one second, sorry. Um, so one of the, the big things about knowledge is that knowledge helps us to put things in their proper place. And when we can put things in their proper place, it helps us for ourselves, of course, in our own personal journey. But it also helps us in dealing with other people. And so it becomes a protection. It becomes a protection, right? And this is why this is one of the reasons why it's often said that a person really shouldn't be seeking out some sort of spiritual guide or someone that they're going to really look up to in that way as a mentor on their path and so on and so forth if they don't have a basic knowledge of the sharia you know because without the basic knowledge of the sharia they can be taken advantage of the sharia is the is the, is the outward prophetic law that is shared by all of the all of the people regardless of their supposed rank or whatever else it might be and so then that becomes a protection. The knowledge becomes a protection. So not only do I know for myself that the knower of God is the one who witnesses him in everything, but I also know about others that if someone comes to me and they're like, oh, so-and-so, this is the great knower of God. First of all, like, we shouldn't, even if we believe that about people, it's not really a good thing. It's, it's not usually very healthy to speak about them in that way. Um... But number two is I have I have the criteria now. You know, if they're a great knower of God, then they witness God in everything. So let me watch them. And if if they're um, if they come off like very crass, very um, profane, um, if they don't seem to have reverence for the Sharia, all of these kind of things, then I know that okay. I mean, you could say whatever you want, but I have the criterion, right? And this is a big part of why we also study. is not just that, but also because we believe in awliya, right? We believe in saints. We believe in saintly people. We believe in righteous people. Um, we believe in great sheikhs. And we also believe in charlatans. Not that we trust them, but like we believe that they exist. And we believe in imposters, that they exist, and all of this other kind of stuff. And... Um, uh, and so this becomes then This knowledge It not only helps us to be a protection against those things 
but it also situates us within a body of experience and religion and religious teachings that's beyond the moment, right? And this is one of the things that um, this is going to—it's potentially a little bit controversial, but uh, how can I say it? However, it is that we're going to understand our religion. So a lot of different people understand their religion in different ways, right? There's this group and there's that group and there's so on and so forth. We should seek to situate our understanding and our religious experience in the body of religious experience of the Muslims. Not like in a um, reductionist kind of like ideological a sloganeering type way of understanding the religion or in a way that kind of reduces everything that came before it so it's like well everything everything from 50 years after the prophet sallallahu alaihi them up until like 100 years ago all of that stuff in between was wrong but 100 years ago alhamdulillah like someone came and they brought everything back to the way that it should be and and they they fixed all those 1200 years like okay, so what happened to the promise of the Prophet them? What happens to the promise of Allah? What happens? All those people were just going to write them off. Like I want to understand my religion in a way that's continuous, like it's connected to that which came before it, in a very wide way. So even if I have experiences with, and it happens, right? Like you might have religious teachers who turn out to be really disappointing at various levels could be disappointing just like general disappointment could be disappointing like horrible heartbreaking disappointment and in the end they are not the religion they are a piece of the puzzle and that's why we always say that uh, the isma the um, infallibility or the protection of Islam is in the community of the Muslims not in particular individuals or particular groups or particular parties or particular teams or whatever it might be even if they're the right team like they might be the right you know you might think I might think that I'm on the right team right now like I got on the right squad okay well your squad is still not Islam and the protection of Islam is not entirely in your group there's no madhab that's the madhab there's in 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 aqidah in fiqh in anything there's not one school there's a group of, the, there's a, a body of teachings wherein there is the, the, the protection is in it. Yadullahi ma'al jama'ah, the yad of Allah is with the jama'ah or is with the community. Or the Prophet sallallahu said, La that my ummah will not come together and agree on falsehood. This is one of the things that they use as an evidence of uh, ijma'ah, of scholarly consensus. That if everyone's come together to agree on something, that's an evidence. Um, and that's where the protection is. Protection is not in Fulan ibn Fulan. Protection is not in the majlis. La qadr Allah, anything happens, Allah protect us and keep us safe and bless the community and bless the people and make the work that all of us that we do together, may it always be sincere for Allah's sake and, and, and on the way of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But we're, we're, it's not us. Right, like it's only us in so far as we are part of a greater tradition of what this religion is and what it has been and what it has produced in countless times and places for many many years. I hope this is understood. Abdullah, is it understood? You're the only face I can see you in Hanan. <laughs> is it? Inshallah, it's it's clear. Alhamdulillah. All right, <clears throat> this is an extremely extremely important point. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad 164 163 the end here about they love him they don't prefer anything over him this is in the beginning of Surah Al-Hujurat Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu la tuqaddimu bayna yadayillahi wa rasooli wa attaqullah don't put anything in front of Allah and his messenger and have taqwa don't put anything in front of Allah and His Messenger and have taqwa. 164 And I went off on some huge tangent again when every single week we make the intention to actually get somewhere and covering this content.
Maybe I'm. Maybe I really am learning from the Azharis. <laughs> it's like it's always really tough to get through things with Azharis. They just give you so much stuff. Uh, but I don't know if I give so much stuff. I think I just end up all over the place. Allah help me. The truth is only veiled from you due to his being extremely close. It's really interesting. We talked about this before. That um, sometimes proximity can be a barrier. Proximity can be a barrier. You know. Uh, there's a saying about it in Arabic. Something like uh, maybe Ennis will correct me. It's good to have you here. Uh, I think Mizmar Mizmar al or something like that. La Yutrib or La Yutrib or some variation on that word. It means like the the local music the local musician, nobody listens to their music. Like the guy who comes from the neighborhood nobody really cares about. As soon as he leaves the neighborhood everyone cares about him. Because like, you know, when when you're growing up with them, it's not the same. So sometimes when people are really close uh, we don't see things in them. Um, it's kind of very similar actually in English, as we've also said before. Oftentimes proverbs have universal wisdom. So what's the, what's the English proverb that's, that's kind of related to this? Uh, you don't realize what you have until it's gone. Until it's gone, when it's right in front of you, it's too close. You don't miss water until the well goes dry. Yeah, you don't miss water until the well goes dry. When it's when it's so close, you can't really. Uh, you don't have the same vision on it. Allah help us to be people of gratitude. Allah help us to be people of of of, of gratitude for things while they're still with us before they're gone. One sixty-five. إِنَّمَا احْتَجَبَ لِشَدَّةِ ظُهُورِهِ وَخَفِيَ عَنِ الْأَبْصَارِ لِعِظَمِ نُورِهِ سُبْحَانَ سُبْحَانَ He is only veiled from you due to his being too obvious and he's hidden from physical sight due to the tremendous light of his entity. He's only veiled from you due to his being too obvious and is hidden from physical sight due to the tremendous light. Okay. Kashamsi hujibat bil anwari an antudrika hal abasar. He said in the commentary, like the sun, which is is hidden by its own light, such that the eyes can't actually witness the sun right like if we just try to look we can't actually witness the sun because the brightness of the sun makes it so that that brightness actually veils us from it it's kind of like right now i'm sitting in front of this light you know for this zoom experience and every time i look up into the light if i try to actually examine the light bulb it's hard to examine the light bulb because the light is blinding right so the light is so apparent that I can't see it. Like the light, the, the consequence of the light bulb is so much that I can't actually see the light bulb. So he's saying, he's only veiled from you because he's too obvious and he's only hidden from physical sight due to, to, due to the tremendous light of his entity. Because Allah is emanating so much nur, you can't actually see him. Although he's very apparently there, subhanahu wa ta'ala. I have a strange connection here, maybe. <laughs> Bear with me. It's American Islam. Um, so what are we saying here? Part of the tremendous presence of Allah is that He's invisible, but yet 
everything about it is felt. Everything about his presence is felt, but he's invisible. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? So, as I've said before, it's really important for American Muslims to read Islam and the Black American by Dr. Sherman Jackson. And, and towards the end of the book, he has a commentary on the idea of white supremacy as, as shirk. And <coughs> one of the things that's said about whiteness right about the the concept of whiteness is part of what makes whiteness so powerful is that it's invisible is that it's invisible so when 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 whiteness is on your side you're invisible you don't represent a people you don't represent a belief system the benefits that you get from that reality are ones that you don't even experience, you don't even recognize because they're just happening without you even realizing that they're happening. And there's no way to, un- to, to, to get it unless you're on the other side of the coin. And uh, probably, like, for most people, it's really tough to actually experience this. For most people, it's really tough to actually experience this. There are two exceptions. And uh, they're basically male and female white Muslims. So, like, if if you're a white convert and you experience that your whole life, and you become apparently Muslim, then it becomes a lot more clear. Like, you realize, you know, whoa, there were things that, like, things were moving around me without me even realizing it, you know, and now they're not moving anymore. Um, and we've had countless experiences like that Not me personally Because I've always been kind of like A little bit blended Especially with my name and stuff like that But um, Like especially white sisters Who maybe wear hijab It's like super um, it's, it's like a big, big experience You know So whites, Whiteness is invisible and it becomes like a false ilah. It affects everything and you don't see it. <laughs> you know? Uh, in, a, in a very different way. SubhanAllah. May Allah protect us and help us to be... You know, and, and the person who really, like, if you pay attention to his expressions, who had such a profound understanding of this and said it in such a easy-to-understand-for-people way was Malcolm, rahimahullah. I mean, he would say things like, after he went to Hajj and he met white people there, he would say, but when they say, um, like they're not white the same way. The white man in America, when he says that he's white, he means that he's boss. It's a really profound understanding. Like really, really profound understanding of, of, of that whole thing. Um, Allah protect us, make us means of good. You know, Brother Ali's song "Before They Called You White" is extremely important. You know, how are you gonna how are you gonna heal this? How are you gonna heal this as a people, as individuals? You have post-traumatic slave master syndrome. <laughs> post-traumatic slave master syndrome. One of the most amazing expressions. It's very true. One sixty-six. لا يكون طلبك تسببا إلى العطاء منه، فيقل فهمك عن، وليكن طلبك لإظهار العبودية وقيام حقوق الربوبية. So he says, do not suppose your supplication will cause him to give, lest your understanding suffer. Rather, supplicate to him to show your slavehood and to fulfill the rights of his lordship. Amin to Bushra's dua. Amin, Ya Rabb. However it may be. Rather, supplicate to him to show your slavehood and to fulfill the rights of his lordship. So we had these hikam before uh, about dua. And about the adab of du'a and stuff like that came very much earlier, right? This is officially now, by the way, the longest class we've ever had at the Majlis, I think. This is session number 20. We're, we're, uh, we're working. We're getting there, inshallah. Uh, 
Um, so a long time ago, we had these ones about du'a and how you know they're adab to have in du'a and how to look at it and so on and so forth. So here he's saying, don't you know you're making the du'a why? Not to think that your du'a was the reason why the thing happened, but simply to show your servanthood. That's what it is. فَإِنَّهُ in the in the commentary فَإِنَّهُ مَا جَعَلَ الْحِكْمَةَ فِي الطَّلَبِ ذَلِكَ وَإِنَّ مَنْ حِكْمَةَ إِذْهَارُ الْعُبُودِيَّةِ He didn't make the hikmah, he didn't make the wisdom, Allah didn't make the wisdom of the dua that it's going to be the means for you to attain those things that you want. He made the wisdom of the dua for you to show your servanthood. That's what he made it for. So that we can stand in front of Allah and be like, Allah we need you. That's what that's the hikmah in it, uh, and then the next three are connected to this. How can your later supplication be a cause for his predestined giving? Meaning, like he's his what he's going to do is determined in in, in pre eternity. It's it's already done, and your du'a is happening now in this time and space. How can it be that your du'a was what what impacted his? His irada, his will, in eternity, Subhanahu wa Taala. It's not. You're, you're just, just showing your servanthood. Jalla hukmul azali an yandafa ilan ilani. Jalla hukmul azali an yandafa ilan ilani. You know, a pre-eternal command is high above needing an external cause. Right? This, his pre-eternal command was that he's going to give you. The external cause is your du'a. His pre-eternal command doesn't need your external du'a, your external cause. It's not. It's not. It's not the. Uh, it's, it's not the actual cause in reality. <laughs> بَلْ لَمْ يَكُنْ هُنَاكَ إِلَّا مَحْدُ الْإِفْضَالِ وَعَظِيمُ النَّوَالِ Allah, 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 Allah. He said, His special concern for you is not due to anything you have done. Where were you when His special concern and care took charge of you? There was no sincerity and actions in His pre-eternity, nor the presence of spiritual states. At that time, there was only mere benevolence and great gifts. That's it. <laughs> it was just Allah bestowing His gifts upon creation. It wasn't all of your ikhlas and your ahwal. And that's why I was saying like all of these things, they're what we do. And we receive what we receive from Allah. His, his qadr is, is sabiq. His qadr is... Uh, I don't even know if that's an appropriate expression. His qadr is already... It's, it is what it is. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. 170 So he said he knew that his slaves would want to know whom his special concern is for You know they want to know that and they're going to start to get worried about that Right, and then they, when they start to get worried about it, they start becoming materialistic about it, and they start becoming nafsani about it. They become egotistical about it. So he told them, rahmatihi He told them he chooses for his mercy whom he wills. So you, you know, we don't choose it. And then he knew, if he left them at that, they would stop performing actions depending only on the pre-eternal command. So Allah is giving the tarbiyah to you also. Allah is giving us the tarbiyah. So he's saying, if I, if, if he, he knows that you'll get materialistic about it. So he tells you, he gives his mercy to whoever he wills. Then when you read, he gives his mercy to whoever he wills, he knows that you're going to be like, okay, then I'm just going to take it easy on my deeds. So then he, then he, then he says, Allah says, indeed the mercy of God is closer to those who act excellently. So he's saying he gives his rahmah to whoever he wants and at the same time he's saying his rahmah is close to those who do good. Is, both of them are related to his rahmah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. See? So, so it's in this dance. It's in this dance. I'm going to do it as good as I can and I'm going to get whatever I get and Allah is going to do whatever he wants. فَجَعَلَ الْإِحْسَانَ بِالْأَعْمَالِ الصَّالِحَةِ عَلَامَةً عَلَى الْعِنَايَةِ الْأَزَلِيَةِ وَإِنْ لَمْ يَكُنْ عِلَّةً 
illatan mujibatan laha ayda tahqiq al-qadiyya faqum bima adabaka Allah bih wa in kunta fi riqda fantabi so he says he made the ihsan uh, he made this act of excellence in doing good deeds the sign of of his eternal concern eternal care even if it's not the cause for it he made it a sign for it even if it's not the cause for it so uh, so get up and do what Allah has told you to do <laughs> so he's at the end of the commentary on that section so get up and do what Allah has told you to do إلى المشيئة يستند كل شيء ولا تستند هي إلى شيء. On his volition depends everything, and his volition depends on nothing. In the end, this is it. It's a very strong statement. His volition, volitions are strange. You know, it's not really the most commonly used English word, but. Mashiach is like his will. Everything depends on his will. Everything depends on his will. And his will doesn't depend on anything. But Allah is the actor. Allah is the actor. He says in the commentary, يعني أن, يعني أن أدب التوحيد أن يعتقد الإنسان أن كل شيء يستند إلى المشيئة. That the adab, the adab of, adab of tawheed, of truly believing in the oneness of God, is to, be, is to know with conviction that everything goes back to the will of God. Everything goes back to the will of God. Who الغالب he is the overcomer. He overcomes everything. That's what they wrote all in those palaces in Andalus, right? La ghaliba illallah, I think it is. La ghaliba illallah. You see it in all the all the drawings. There's no there's nothing that overcomes everything except for Allah. It's only it's only Allah. <coughs> One seventy-two. ربما دلهم الأدب على ترك الطلب اعتمادا على قسمته واشتغالا بذكره عن مسألته. So again, this is related to this issue of du'a and the adab of du'a and so on and so forth that uh, that has come up in the past. Sometimes manners dictate for them to leave supplication, relying on his predecided division, and due to them being busy with his remembrance. Okay. This is where people sometimes get confused. Sometimes we have to struggle to hold multiple things at the same time. Even if they see, like, if we, if we try to hold one so much that we drop the other one, then we lose the balance. We have to try to hold them at the same time. So sometimes manners dictate for them to leave supplication relying on his predecided division and due to them being busy with his remembrance. They're saying some of the people of Allah, they end up not making dua because they are fully dependent on what Allah has already ordained for them. And on top of that, they're too busy making dhikr of him to even ask him. They're too busy making dhikr of him to even ask him. Which relates to the hadith Qudsi that we've mentioned before. مَنْ شَغَلَهُ ذِكْرِي عَنْ مَسْأَلَتِي أَعْطَيْتُهُ أَفْضَلَ مَا أُعْتِيَ السَّائِلِينَ It's a very important one. مَنْ شَغَلَهُ ذِكْرِي عَنْ مَسْأَلَتِي أَعْطَيْتُهُ أَفْضَلَ مَا أُعْتِيَ السَّائِلِينَ The one who is busied with my remembrance such that they do not ask me, I give them better than what is given to those who ask. The one who is busied with my remembrance such that they don't ask me, I give them better than what I give to those who ask. 
person's completely dependent on Allah. It's not that they're not they're not being negligent. You know, they're they're just they're they're fully into what Allah has given them. And so and they're so remembering Allah that they, they don't even think to ask. Then he says in the commentary, just as it can also be from adab to ask. So sometimes the adab causes them to not ask and sometimes the adab causes them to ask. There's both. It's not like one or the other. فَالتَّحْقِيقُ أَنَّ ذَلِكَ يَخْتَلِفُ بِاخْتِلَافِ الْأَشْخَاصِ وَالْأَحْوَالِ So the issue in the end is this differs depending on the individual and their circumstance. It's going to depend on the individual and their circumstance. But it may be that like you go through a phase and you realize, SubhanAllah, I forgot to ask Allah about this. But it wasn't because you didn't think that you needed Allah. It was because you were remembering Allah and Allah was so much a part of everything you're doing and so on and so forth that you just for, you just totally forgot to make the dua, right? Okay, Allah, Allah will take care of it. It's not a punishment relationship. 173 Only he who can forget is reminded. And only he who can neglect is told to be attentive. <laughs> Look at this angle on the dua, right? Look at this angle on the dua. Only he who can, he who can forget is reminded, and only he who, who can neglect is told to be attentive. So some of the adifun, they didn't make dua because, like, what I'm going to remind Allah, Allah already knows. I'm going to bring Allah's attention to my situation. Allah already knows my situation. So because that is how they have that conviction 100%, so then they don't make the dua. Of course, if you don't have that conviction, or if, you know, sometimes... Uh, uh, <coughs> you know... Uh, it's still okay to make dua sometimes. Just kind of like take the idea... Still okay to make dua, but just keep the ideal with you too. That at the same time that I make dua, I make dua. Why? Idharun ubudiyah, the one that came before it. Idharun ubudiyah. I make dua completely out of showing my neediness, making manifest my neediness to Allah and my belief of my neediness to Allah, while at the same time knowing that He knows everything and He is going to take care of me and He is the best to dispose of my affairs and so on and so forth. I hold both of those at the same time. So we have to try to hold them both. Oh, this is appropriate, mashallah. We have Eid coming up, no? This is the Hikmah and Eid. Wurudun Faqat Ayadun Muridin. Wurudun Faqat Ayadun Muridin. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. What time is it? Mashi. I guess this is a good place to stop. 185. Times of need are the celebration days of the disciple. Times of need are the celebration days of the disciple. Wurud al Faqat. Al Faqat are those times of immense need. And the wurud is for them to come upon the person. Those are the ayad. Ayad is the plural of Eid. Those are the days of Eid for the for the disciple or the wanter, those who desire God. Those who desire God, the times of need are their holidays. Times of need are their holidays. And the commentary he says, Yani. I didn't make dua for him today. Allah forgive me. In the commentary, Fulit Shaykh Abdul Majid Shanubi, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, and Nafanullah, we are who be Urumi, if you darin, I mean. He says, Yani, and the Ayam Tawaru del Fakat, Ayel Balaya, when Mehen, here Ayad and Muridin. Ayel Ayam will Ayida to Alayhim bin Masarat, well Afrah, for in whom Yafrahuna bin Fakat. Lima fee him in Dulli and Nafsi. 
أن موصلي إلى رب البريات كما تفرح العوام بأيام الأعياد بما فيها من الشهوات التي توصل نفوسهم إلى بلوغ المراد So the question is what? What is the person's murad? What is it that the person wants? What is it that the person wants? What do I really want? Do I want to enjoy myself? Or do I want to come closer to Allah? So these people, they're amazing people. Allah give us their company. These people, when they are tested and they are tried, those are their holidays, those are their celebration days. Those are the days that give them joy. Those are the days that give them happiness. Because they know that in those times, the base self is humiliated and humbled and forced towards submitting to the Lord of the worlds. And they know that that is where their salvation is. That is where their, the good for them lies in that disciplining of the self and that submitting of the self to Allah with utter neediness that comes during those times. Just as the regular people, their days of joy are the days of Eid when they get to fulfill all their shahwa. You know, that's their, that's their desire. Their desire is to do all of the things that they desire. To eat and drink and have fun and play and all of these kind of things. That's what they look at life, life as. So the holiday then is their, ba- their favorite day because they're getting exactly what they're looking for. And these other people on the other hand, they're looking for those times of need. It's really, uh, really remarkable. And then the next one he says, and we'll just read it and then we'll stop on it, we'll continue with it next time. رُبَّمَا وَجَدْتَ مِنَ الْمَزِيدِ فِي الْمَفَاقَاتِ مَا لَا تَجِدُهُ فِي الصَّوْمِ وَالصَّلَاةِ Perhaps you gain benefits in times of need, which you do not gain fasting and, and gain in fasting and prayer. Perhaps you gain benefits in times of need, which you do not gain in fasting and prayer. That's a heavy one. Inshallah, we'll start there next time. وصلى الله وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم الحمد لله رب العالمين. Any questions or comments anyone has? You may share as you wish. Inshallah. We have a, a very notable group of attendees today. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for that. Any particular recommendations?
Mm-hmm. Okay. I think a lot of people will still probably gather at some level. Any advices for that? So say people don't hold off completely. What should they be doing? If they don't go to that level, which you're recommending, obviously, but just out of practicality, <laughs> what would be stage two or level two? Thank you. Thank you for that. It's very important. Allah keep us safe. And Allah help us to do what we do our part to keep ourselves safe and others safe. Inshallah. Ameen. It seems like someone sent me a question privately. So the, the, the summary of the question is that it seems we are in a time of collective need. And they mentioned some various things. Um, I'm only not mentioning them because I'm assuming that because they sent it to me directly. I should be vague about it. But what things as a community we can do during this time of collective need that you recommend? What are things we can do? is the first thing that comes to mind flee to Allah flee to Allah flee to Allah flee to Allah and we have to keep just doing the things that we do um, I think it's uh, you know when I said the thing about being part of a tradition that is greater than particular individuals or greater than particular places or times I think it's really really important that we embrace that that we embrace that this thing that we are a part of is far greater than any particular situation that we may be in or we as a people may be in or we as a world may be in this thing that we're part of is still much greater than that and so the most important things to me still have to be the foundational things fleeing to Allah making dua to, to Allah making sure that my worship is on is on target and I'm doing the things that I need to do taking care of my family being upright following the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam teaching the sunnah to my children um, so on and so forth these are the fundamental things you know like someone had a post today so it was interesting it was about an older man who lived or lives I guess next to a really famous spot where people commit suicide in Australia I don't even know if this is true but the point point remains and it says that and his living in that place for all those years he saved like hundreds of lives just by intercepting people and having them come and drink tea with him and talk you know so they're like considering taking their lives. He lives right there. He sees them. He comes, he invites them over for tea. They have some tea and they change their mind, right? Like these are actually fundamental things. And uh, really, really, I really believe that as much as we engage with macro issues and as much as we're involved in things that we need to be involved in and so on and so forth, true change has to be built on the fundamental things. So even if we, man if, even if we manage to change like some some whatever but people are still really selfish arrogant people they're still going to be selfish arrogant people um, and I think actually and you know 
part of what we're seeing with all of this racism stuff and everything else and what has been known is that yeah we push for legislation we push for changes in law and we push for these different things and so on and so forth but that doesn't actually change people's hearts and as soon as they have a president in the white house who is a himar their what's in their hearts come out and it's enabled again and um you know it's just it's right there because not the fundamental things didn't change and um that's not to say that we shouldn't advocate it's not to say any of those things it's kind of similar i guess to the dua you know <laughs> that doesn't mean you don't make dua but uh, like I, I, I think there's really, really tremendous importance in consciously committing ourselves to the Sunnah, and making that part of our lives, and asking Allah and making dhikr and making du'a and not having this despair. You know, not having despair, and uh, part of you know recognizing that we're part of a greater history is also recognizing history, that there have been many things that have happened in history. And there's been up times and there's been down times and there's been good times and there's been bad times and there's been horrible atrocities and everything else. And in the end, there's still people who worship Allah. And Allah's name is still mentioned and the Quran is still recited and it's still, it's still memorized. And we can still change people's lives with acts of generosity and kindness and support and care and giving and so on and so forth. And that's where the fabric of everything changes. Allahu Anam. You know, that's my personal take right now. If you ask me in like three days, I might have a different answer. Three months, I'd probably have a different answer. Three years, I'd probably have a different answer. But that's my feeling on it right now. Uh, you know, even when you have someone you take primarily from, it's also part of our tradition is that we don't take from one person. You know, even if, even if you're the top student of Abu Hanifa you still take from other people Abu Hanifa is your primary teacher um, but you're still gonna you're still gonna take from other people you know so just because I said something doesn't mean uh, always things that I say hold them in a body of the tradition hold them uh, and hold them in, in the tension of other people's opinions and ideas and so on and so forth that's healthy Allah <sighs> Uh, I'll keep it very anonymous, but maybe one of you will be Mustajab Dawa. One of uh, one of the individuals here has a job interview that's coming up. If we can just make dua that Allah gives them tawfiq and uh, opens up good for them, whatever it may be. Uh, by the Fatiha, Amen. Amen. Uh, <laughs> inshallah, you'll kill it, bro. Or sister. <laughs> I was going to say, I kept it pretty anonymous. Uh, Allah bless all of you. Eidukum Mubarak. May you have a happy Eid, um, a happy and safe Eid. And. Um, May Allah give us good wherever it may be. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sallam wa sallam. Subhanakallahum wa bihamdik nashar wa la ilaha illa anta nastawfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr inna al-insana lafi khusr illa al-ladhina amanu wa amilu al-salihat wa tawasu bil-haqi wa tawasu bil-sabr. Barakallahu feekum.